Bain & Company has just released its 2022 mid-year private equity report, and what a tumultuous six months it's been. Back in January, we talked about a supersizing of the private equity industry, whether it was record amounts of deals being done and funds being raised, or returns that tended to outperform all other asset classes, every arrow seemed to be going in the up direction. It was indeed the best of times. But are these the worst of times? That may be overstating it right now as we sit here at the halfway point of 2022, but you need to plan for scenarios, not certainty. So whether it's a soft landing, inflationary new normal, mild recession, stagflation or severe recession, macro is absolutely at the forefront of many discussions around private investment these days. Today on the show, I'll review the key trends from Bain & Company's 2022 mid-year private equity report, including what macro means to the private equity industry in today's environment and what might happen over the next six to 18 months. I'm Hugh MacArthur, head of Bain's global private equity practice, and this is Dry Powder. We were already dealing with fallout from the pandemic, supply chain problems, a war in Europe that actually made macro real again. But what types of macro issues am I talking about right now? Uh, inflation, of course, it is persistent. It is increasing. It is problematic for an industry that's actually not had to deal with inflation for most of its existence. Interest rates are increasing, particularly in the United States, to combat inflation. And that's going to provide a bit of a destabilizing environment, potentially, as we see what plays out over the rest of 2022. And the R word is now back in the conversation, recession. There are a range of potential macro outcomes, and no one knows where we're going. And that's why the macro matters for the private equity industry, because it drives to what I call the U word, uncertainty. And uncertainty is just about the worst word you can talk about for private equity because it causes things to slow down. But private equity has actually routinely emerged stronger from every crisis that it's faced over the last 25 years. Whether we're talking about the tech bubble in 2000, the great financial crisis of 08 and 09, the European debt crisis in 2012, or even COVID more recently, returns, money's invested, money's raised, and exits have actually bounced back strongly in every single case. And the industry has continued to grow. So private equity is a cyclical business, but it is a cyclical growth business over time. And it has been remarkably resilient to the macro challenges that have been thrown at it over the last two and a half decades. And as we think about that context in 2022 and what happened in the first half, the buyout market was actually on pace to produce the second highest annual total by value ever. That is, we are nearing a pace of a trillion dollars of total enterprise value yet again to not quite match 2021, but to be pretty close. And for deal count to actually exceed the high deal count of 2021 and be in the 5,000 deal range. However, that's a dramatically different history than the forward-looking picture we're looking at now. Deal count is slowing. Activity is slowing. Almost everyone is predicting that this slowdown is going to continue into the second half of the year. Exits are also complicated now in 2022. The perfect storm that we discussed in 2021 of IPO markets being robust, strategics being flush with cash and willing to pay good multiples and continued strength and sponsor-to-sponsor trading has really slowed as we've neared the midway point of 2022. In fact, the IPO market, given the volatility in those equity markets, is basically slammed shut. SPACs have basically ceased to exist as an exit platform. And as corporates begin to worry more and more about their earnings and the potential of a looming recession, they have pulled back a bit from the market as well. Now, what that means is the same thing it did in 08 and 09. When people are worried about recessions, they tend to hold on to assets longer. 
Inflation is also exacerbating this as it's causing some margin compression for many companies that are being held by portfolios. So uncertainty for the future, wobbly exit markets generally means that we will be seeing assets held longer in GP portfolios, perhaps in the 12 to 24 month range. And that is going to cause a knock-on effect in fundraising because when we look at the fundraising markets, they have been incredibly strong over the past five to seven years, but the velocity of those fundraising markets has been increasing dramatically over that time. We've moved from a normal of funds coming back to market every four years and asking for 20 to 30% more in their new fund to funds coming back to market in their LPs every two years and asking for 50% more. And in this environment, the velocity of that capital has really left many LPs feeling overexposed and cash poor to the private equity markets. To be sure, they're happy to be exposed to the private equity markets because they've done so well in them, but cash flow models blow up when the cash is always going out the door and not coming back in. And that's generally not a motion that LPs have been used to over the last 10 to 12 years. And when you look at a world where DPI or the money's return to those LPs is likely going to be stressed because of extended holding periods over the next 12 to 24 months, it makes LPs even more concerned about making incremental investments and incremental commitments into the private equity space. So things are a little bit out of balance in the fundraising world right now, and we are seeing very difficult fundraising environments, particularly for buyout, but also for other areas of private equity like growth, direct lending, secondaries, and infrastructure funds. So uh, definitely a concern on the part of LPs about the amount of money that they have in the market right now. Not a long-term concern, but certainly a short-term concern that we think is going to make fundraising challenging for the back half of 2022, very likely well into 2023 as well. However, it's important to remember that LPs take a long-term view of the private equity asset class as almost anyone participating in it has to. And most LPs are indicating that they intend to maintain or even increase their allocation to private equity markets over time. So this is a short-term crunch with a denominator effect not being fully taken into account and dealt with yet a short-term cash crunch. But over the long term, when one takes a five-year view, LPs remain very positively disposed to the asset class because the long history is that they've generated tremendous returns. Good news for GPs, for the longer term, the industry is actually set up to weather the downturn quite well. Right now, there's about $3.6 trillion of dry powder out there that's committed but uncalled capital. And that is a record number. About a trillion of that is earmarked for buyouts and 2.6 trillion is earmarked for all other areas of private equity. So many, many funds have been out there raising. As I've discussed, the velocity of capital has increased over the last two to three years, and they still have years left to invest that money that they've raised. So they're able to weather short-term storms and know that they have the dry powder to be able to take advantage of what should be good deal opportunities once we get out of whatever macro destabilization period that we're currently in. If we look at data and analysis from our friends at DealEdge, we can see that coming out of the tech bubble in 2001, IRRs for the industry went from 11% up into the 40s in 02 and 03, and sustainably over 20% for most of the early 2000s. If we look at the returns post the great financial crisis, where single-digit returns in 07 and 08 were the norm according to DealEdge, returns jumped up into the 20s and pretty much stayed there for most of the last decade. So while the industry can be stressed, and while there are challenging times for the private equity industry, They don't turn out to be disastrous, and history tells us that there are some pretty good investment years coming post any crisis. 
When we talk to LPs and assess their confidence in the industry, it's interesting that a new factor appeared in 2022 that is a driving reason for institutional investors making commitments to private equity, and that is diversification. High absolute returns and high risk adjusted returns are always going to be important, but being diversified away from public markets, away from credit markets is actually making all things private equity and private markets more attractive. This has been a long-term secular trend in the industry, but it's accelerated post-COVID, accelerated in 2022, and we think it's going to continue to be strong in terms of its momentum into the future. There are fewer public companies in the United States and many other countries than there were 15 years ago. There are more and more private companies that are in professional investors' hands, and there are more and different types of private investment products that are being created every single year to take advantage of smart investors' ability to create alpha with those assets under their control. And LPs have confidence in that ability to create alpha, and they're continuing to shift more money away from alternatives, away from public markets, and into private markets in search of that excess return. That's going to be important for the future because when one looks back over the past decade, multiple expansion has actually driven a substantial amount of returns from the private equity industry, buyouts in particular. Investors are not going to be able to rely on that going forward in a high inflation environment. And that means investors are going to need to rely on the things they can control. Very specifically, those drivers that actually enable revenue growth and margin expansion. So sharpening up those toolkits to make sure that investors can partner with management teams to hit their revenue targets at the margins they expect is going to be more critical than ever to continue to generate the kinds of returns that LPs have come to expect and depend on from their GP partners. So when we talk to investors of all stripes, we tell them that they need to adjust their approach. You need to plan for scenarios, not certainty. Straight line estimates of what might happen in an industry because of what happened in the past are not in play when macro matters. You also need to disaggregate price and volume. Given an inflationary world, you may think an industry or a company is growing much faster than it actually is if you're simply looking at revenue. The price piece of that needs to be analyzed separately, and the volume piece, which is much more correlated to share gain and real market growth, needs to be analyzed in light of what's happening in the macro environment and whether those factors are actually helping an industry subsector or impeding its growth. There are also some industries that benefit from inflation. So looking for inflation winners is a new motion that the industry will go under for the rest of 2022 and also into 2023. And you need to actually revisit what your intuition is telling you about market growth. Were those last three years really about what's going on in that subsector of that industry or were the macro factors actually impacting it in a way that's not sustainable into the future? So while there is uncertainty in the marketplace, there are tools and ways of thinking that the industry needs to adapt to to deal with that uncertainty and be able to continue its path forward in investing with confidence. And I often reflect back in June or July of 2020 where we were wondering, was this going to be years and years of stagnation and problems and poor returns and industries being irreparably damaged? And yet, coming out of all of those negative predictions, we've had two years of about the most intense activity in deal markets that we've ever seen with incredibly high returns for GPs and LPs. I don't think anybody was predicting that in June of 2020. So I'm certainly not going to predict where the macro is going to take us in 2022 and 2023, but note that we have to be prepared for a variety of outcomes. You can find the full mid-year report at Bain.com or click on the direct link in our episode notes. I'm Hugh MacArthur. Thank you for listening.